Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. Peace the past. that passes my understanding love that conquers my fear and regret joy unending eternal pleasure in your presence Seek first. 
Since the beginning of the vine, there was a design, a design for connecting the world to Jesus and a design to grow in our love for God and our love for others. Through every year, in every space, and in every effort, we have worked to bring this design to life. And every year, we have seen this design grow clearer and greater. Year 11 was no exception. From the moment people arrived at our campuses, we were ready to help people encounter and experience the love of Jesus before they heard about it from the stage. We greeted and guided to parking spaces. We welcomed with kindness and made sure everyone was known and knew where to go. We grew in community over cups of coffee and conversation. And we never wavered in our firm belief that community grows best with fresh breath by providing thousands of vine mints. In our Sunday morning celebrations, our desire to see God glorified, our church unified, and lives transformed continued to grow in every environment we designed for deeper encounters with God. We lifted our voices in praise and worship for who God is and what He has done while believing God for greater things still. The gospel of Jesus Christ was proclaimed, the word of God was taught, lives were saved, people were baptized, communion was received, we prayed and encouraged each other, we were equipped and empowered to release God's justice where there is injustice, and we were challenged to change our world by reaching the one until we reach everyone. As we grew, our children grew. Our heart is to grow every generation, especially the generation that is still growing. We served faithfully with the expectancy that our children would trust and follow Jesus, spend time getting to know God, follow His instructions, and discover His unique plan for their life. They learned that God is their Creator, their Heavenly Father, their Guide, and their Savior. Whether it was coming together with their friends at Camp Kid Zoo and Camp Kid Jam, or serving with Operation Christmas Child and Backpacks of Love, our kids continue to demonstrate the love of God to our community and around the world. Our mission to reach the next generation extends to Sunday nights. Middle schoolers and high schoolers gather to play games, to worship, and spend time in a small group discussing how God's truth and love applies to their life. It's an environment where they love coming because it's an environment where they are loved. As Sundays come to close, our mission does not. We continue to grow God's design through our reach into our communities. Connect groups gather in different homes, in different neighborhoods, in different towns and cities, but have the same purpose. As people move from rows on Sundays to circles and homes, they grow deeper in community and connectedness with people of similar heart and mind to love God and others. Out of one connect group, the Vine School of Supernatural Ministry was developed and began in year 11. These students are encouraged in their identity as sons and daughters, and they're encouraged to bring the kingdom of God into their environments of life, work, and play. They're seeing the supernatural become natural. This happens not just through VSSM students, but through everyone who served in outreach and on Serve Saturdays. Busier than ever, our church gave away thousands of Krispy Kreme donuts, loved on hundreds of teachers and students at local schools, fed thousands of families with thousands of pounds of food, fostered community kids, participated in the One Race Movement, 
and plan trips to other countries to support the work of our global partners who are reaching one till everyone. As we celebrate all that God has done in the last 11 years, we are confident of this more than ever, that we're designed to connect the world to Jesus Christ, to experience true life and purposeful living as we continue making disciples, making disciples. The things we see each week are just glimpses of His design, and these are just pieces of what He is growing in us. He is not done building us and refining us, and we are meant to go beyond where we have been. God's design was never for the church to be contained within a designed building we call church, but rather a designed body to be the church. We are made for more and called to do even greater things. When we believe for more, He is growing our faith. When we look for more, He is opening our eyes. When we reach to more, He is reaching through us. And when we love more, it is His love at work in us. So let us press into this year full of faith and let us raise our expectations to the levels that reflect the greatness of our God. And let us be His church that brings His kingdom and will to earth as it is in heaven. Now to Him who is able to do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, as we reach one till everyone. Happy birthday, Vine Church. Come on. Yeah, thank you. That was awesome. Well, church, if I haven't had the chance to meet you personally, my name is David Walters, and I have the privilege of being one of the pastors, and it's a privilege to be able to say to you, happy birthday, church. It is awesome that we get to celebrate 11 years. I say this every year, that over 80% of new churches never make it past their second birthday. So the fact that we are alive and that God is moving is a pretty powerful testimony to what God wants to do in and through us as a church. And so happy birthday to you. Wasn't it awesome to be able to see all that God has done over the last year of our church's life? And that video only included some of the things that we get to celebrate. It didn't conclude, it did not include the 59 people who made first-time professions of faith last year or the 22 folks that were baptized last year or the 157 people that came through our healing and prophetic rooms and received encouragement or healing. Can we celebrate that? I mean, that's awesome. <clears throat> and one of the things that we say here is that one of the best predictors of God's future faithfulness is God's past performance. And so if that's true and God's been so faithful to us in the past, how much more do we have to look forward to in year 12? In fact, maybe it's going to be our church's best year ever until year 13. And then I'll say it again, you know, um, come on y'all. Like, yeah, like maybe the best year ever. Maybe we should do a series on that. Oh, we already did. Okay. Yeah. So um, there's a lot to look forward to next year. I can't go into detail about all of the things, but at our Flower Branch campus, we have the expansion of our children's ministry, taking that from trailers under one roof. That's gonna be awesome over there, giving us the ability to reach more families with children over there. There's a new school that's going into Flowery Branch High School or what they're, the building that they occupy. It's called Cherokee Bluff. It's a middle school, high school combination. Yeah, we'll see how well that goes. Um, but we're gonna be on the ground like floor like working with them day one in part 
partnerships, continued partnerships with FCA. In fact, we've got some folks that attend our Flowery Branch campus who are on faculty at Flowery Branch High School that are remaining in that building simply because they want to begin a bridge ministry between the school and the church to introduce students to Jesus Christ. They also are Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, uh, faculty sponsors. And so we're going to continue that relationship with Cherokee Bluff. And then we're starting a relationship with NG3. It's a relationship that we've had as a church over the past couple of years where a nonprofit um, parachurch ministry basically puts chaplains, they call them character coaches because you can't call them a chaplain in public schools. They put character coaches inside the school to work with the sports teams. And we've got one of our very own, Jake Hansen, who is going to be the Cherokee Bluff um, uh, character coach, and so we'll be working with him, sp uh, providing funds for him, as well as people that might catch on to the vision of that. And so we're excited about that relationship with that new school. And then one of the things that I'm most excited about is our senior leadership team that consists of four of our full-time staff. Uh, we've been working over the last couple of months to work through what we're calling a leadership path and a leadership pipeline. And basically what that is, is that it's a plan and a path and a pipeline for us to adequately provide a span of care for every person that volunteers at our church and also gives them the opportunity to grow in their leadership potential as God has blessed them with. And so there's a lot to look forward to, more than I can actually include today, but we are so grateful for what God has done and we look forward in anticipation with what God will do. And uh, before we get on with our message today, would you join me in a word of prayer where we just thank God once again for all that he has done and all that he will do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning that we are able through pictures and through narration to look back at all that you have done in our life as a church. God, I pray that we would be the type of people who look back consistently to remember and to celebrate your faithfulness. And God, we thank you that you are going to continue to be faithful. You have promised your future faithfulness when we promise and when we act out of the promises of what it looks like to be the church. So God, I thank you for all of the folks that are gathered together in this thing called a church and specifically those that would say the Vine Church is their spiritual home that makes the church the church. And God, I thank you for the way that you've moved in us. I thank you for the way that you've moved among us. And I thank you the way that you have moved through us. God, we pray for more. We pray for more of your favor with you, more of your favor with each other, more of your favor with this community and the world. God, we pray that year 12 would be our best year ever. God, we pray that you would do what Christ said would happen and that as greater things will take place. And God, we pray that all of it all of it would be for your glory, for your honor, and for your fame. Everyone who agrees with this prayer set, amen. So church, we are um, in week two of a series that we started last week called Heaven, where we're taking a look at the subject of Heaven, yeah, good guess. And um, if you weren't with us that last week, that probably means you were out of town on vacation, maybe at a beach. We're not bitter. We're just saying, hey, we missed you. And, um, and welcome back to Georgia, where it's 39 degrees on a Sunday, even though it was warmer a couple days ago. Um, we're in week two of this series. We're kind of taking an in-depth look at this subject of heaven, which is something that we are um, very familiar with. Most Americans believe in, but most Americans don't know a whole lot about. And so we're going to take a look at over five weeks a couple of different um, aspects of heaven. Last week, we talked about what heaven will be like. And what we discovered is that what makes heaven heaven is Jesus. It's 
the place where Jesus fully resides and fully reigns, and that we have access to that right now as God promises that he will deposit his spirit inside of us when we trust in Jesus as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our life. So we get uh, the residence and the reign of Jesus in our life. Today we're going to talk about um, what we will be like in heaven. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what we will do in heaven, what we won't do in heaven, and then how we can experience heaven here on earth. But we're going to talk today about what we will be like in heaven. And before we take a look at what the Bible says about what we'll be like in heaven, we thought it would be cool to ask some of the kids in Kidzu what they thought we would be like in heaven. And so, in com- uh, partnership with Jonathan Vincent at Life Document who goes to our church, this is what we discovered. Let's take a look. I'm going to be happy and caring with each other. I think I'll have bright white wings with feathers sticking out. I will have a white dress and white shoes. Nice, sweet, um, Lots of hugs and helping people. I think I'll wear nice clothes and they won't have any um, any dirty things on them. Mm. And maybe my hair will be all fancy. I know what I'll be like in heaven. Uh, uh, because I'll be, I'll be surprised and happy. There you go. To the parents of the daughter who keeps speaking about her clothes being clean, will y'all please do some laundry at your house? I know who you are. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And I, and I imagine if we put the camera on each and every one of us, our, our answers would vary significantly to what we will be like in heaven. Um, how many of you were taught growing up that when you die, you become an angel in heaven? Anybody willing to admit that? Yeah, not true, not in the Bible, just so you know. So we won't have feathers, unfortunately. We will not have feathers in heaven. Um, but the Bible does say a lot about what we will be like in heaven. And I want to share with you three of those uh, truths uh, this morning. If you brought your Bibles or you've got a Bible app, I want to invite you to go with me to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21 is going to be our foundational passage for the entirety of this series. It is a description of a new heaven and a new earth that will be an eternal heaven and an eternal earth um, where we will live forever one day. And um, in that description, we have not only what heaven will be like, but what we will be like in heaven too. And um, today we're going to pick up verse five. I want to read to you verses one through four, just to give you the context, especially if you missed it last week, but we're going to be hanging out with what we know from verse five. So if you got your Bibles open, this is um, what John writes as he was inspired with this vision of the new heaven and the earth, new earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, that's Jesus, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people." And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And we'll pick up on that phrase in the coming weeks. But then he says this, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, 
and this is Jesus, behold. In other words, he wants you to actually actively take a hold of what he is about to say. You're gonna hold on to it because you're gonna need it. I am making all things, what church? New. I'm making all things new. And also he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. The words from Jesus are always trustworthy and true because after all, he's the guy who predicted his own death and then came back from the dead. His words are trustworthy and true. And he wants us to take a hold of this truth. And that is that he is making all things new. With the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, there's actually a theology or a doctrine of new, where God is taking all things that, that have been in former life and making them new. And it, and it exists not only for human beings, but for creation itself. That's why Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 says that at the day of the renewal, that means that there will be a day where all things have been renewed. Um, Paul writes and Peter proclaims in his second sermon in Acts chapter 3 that that God is restoring all things. There's a theology of new, and that is that God, through the resurrection, has made it possible for things to be renewed, things to be restored, and for all things to be reconciled to him. And with that word all, it's fascinating. When you go back to the Greek language and you translate that literally, it literally means all. All means all, which includes you. So what that means is that as God is making all things new, he's also making you new. How many of you say amen to that? Like a new you, hey, new you. Yeah, he makes all things new. And we love new, especially our consumeristic culture. We love new. Apple knows that. They know that we love new. That's why every year they reveal two of the new. I'm pretty sure they've got the next 20 available. They're just not going to bring them to us. Uh, car dealerships, they know this. Car manufacturers, that's why at, this, at the end of this year, there will be 2018s on the lot, and then they'll bring in the 2019 fleet. We love new, but what's also fascinating is that as a culture, we love new of the same, not new different. That's why we continue to get that new iPhone. I'm still rocking my 5S. Some of you are rocking that 8 or that X or that 10, whatever it is. I'm not cool. I don't know. But there's still an iPhone. Yeah, I'm, I'm rocking my 2001 Toyota 4Runner. You might be driving that newer version. I'm, I'm just a little jealous. But um, both a 4Runner. We like new. We just like new of the same, not new of different. And the good news for us is that when it comes to us being new in heaven, we will be the same, but we will be new. We will be the same, but we will be new. So you will be you in heaven, but you will be a new you in heaven. And there are three specific things that will be new, but the same in heaven. And the first one is your identity. Your identity will be the same identity, but it will be a new identity. Uh, and that is, if your identity is in Christ here, your identity will be the same and will be new there. You will have the same identity, but it'll be a new identity. Jesus shows up in the resurrection. 
And he goes to his followers, his followers who had been with him for three years. They had gone wherever he went. They had um, heard everything that he had taught. They've said the things that he said. They've prayed the things that he prayed. They've done the things that Jesus had done. They know him best and better than anyone else knows him. And Jesus shows up at the resurrection and something is slightly different about him. And the way that he identifies himself to them is by saying, it is I myself. What an interesting phrase. It is I myself. He does not come in the resurrected form with a new name. He doesn't say it is Joe, myself, you know. He says, it is I. And he said, it is I, myself. It's not me, someone different. It's me. You will be you in heaven. Your identity will be the same, but it will be new. Your name will be the same, but you will have new. Uh, what I mean by that is that um, in order to get into heaven, um, the Bible says that your name needs to be written down in the Lamb's book of life, right? When you have faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, the Bible says that your name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is. And so, so your entrance into heaven is based on same name, but new name an understanding of why you have that name and the fullness of that name and the fullness of your identity. While you will have the same identity and the same name, it will be new, it will be improved, it will be heavenly. And so what you know in part now about your identity, maybe you say, hey, I've, I've placed faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life, and so I understand that, that scripture says that I am adopted into the family of God as a son or a daughter. What you know in part, you will know full. And what you know slightly in part about your name, you will know full about your name in heaven. I know that my name means beloved, and I have just a glimmer of understanding of what that's like. But when I'm in heaven, I'm gonna understand fully about my name, and you will too. You have a new but same name and identity. The second thing that will be the same but new is your mind. You will have the same mind, but a new mind. One of the questions that gets asked most about heaven when it comes to a person is, will you have a memory in heaven? Will you have memory in heaven? And the kind of like first gut response is no, but the answer is actually yes. In Revelation chapter six, there are martyrs who have been killed for their faith, persecuted um, because of their faith, they're killed, and they actually asked God in the current heaven, they asked God, hey, when will you avenge our death? In other words, they remember their death, they remember their persecution, and yet they asked God, when will you avenge our death? There's the glim these glimpses that there will be memory in heaven. There will be recognition in heaven. There's a great cloud of witnesses, scripture says, that's cheering us on. How would they cheer us on if we don't have memory? Not only that, but scripture says a number of times throughout the New Testament that when we get to heaven, there will be a moment where we have to give an account for all of the things that we've done or haven't done on earth, where we'll have to give an account and we'll start to list out all the things that, that God wanted us to do that we didn't do or that God didn't want us to do that we did. And so for me, it's gonna start, in my earliest memory is to go back to when I was four years old and I stole a pack of gum from that gas station. And it's just downhill from there, right? You know, and I'm just gonna go through. And, and that part of like the same mind, but a new mind is a little bit intimidating and scary when you think about the fact that you will stand before God and you'll give an account of everything that you've done and everything that you haven't done. That doesn't sound like heaven to me. It'll be the same mind. You'll have an improved memory. Well, you'll be able to remember all of those details when it's, we struggle to, to remember what we ate for breakfast yesterday. 
And while I don't mind giving an account for what I ate for breakfast yesterday, I do mind giving an account for all those times that I messed up and all those things that I've done. Not only that, but if we've got a, a, a memory and, and memories in heaven, we have that same mind in heaven. And you think about all the things that were done to us, where we go, hey, I want to escape this life so that I don't have to wrestle in my mind anymore with these issues, these circumstances, these situations where things have been done to me. I just want to get out of this. So how is that heaven when I remember all the things that have been done to me? And yet here are the martyrs, they're, they're saying, hey, when are you going to avenge the death that we faced, and when are you gonna avenge those that kill us? And so we go, how does this make heaven heaven? You know, if we go to heaven, we, we got the same identity, but a new identity. We got the same mind, but a new mind? It's because it's a new mind. It's an improved mind. It's a heavenly mind. It's a heavenly mindset. And now all of a sudden, the things that you have done and the things that have been done to you are remembered in reflection of God's perspective, of God's presence, and of God's power. So when you're standing before God and you, you say, hey God, when I was four on this date, because I can remember it now all of a sudden in heaven, I stole a pack of gum, and then I lied to my best friend, and then I cheated on a test, and so forth and so on, and you go through every detail of those things that you've done and those things that you haven't done that were in disobedience to God, and you go, what makes this heaven, heaven? It's because Jesus' presence is there. And scripture says that God is love. He's the fullness of love. And in that moment, with the account of everything that you've done and everything that you haven't done, you also have God's perspective and God's presence and God's power, which is the fullness of love, demonstrated through mercy and grace. You think you know mercy and grace now, but you only know in part, but then you will know in full. And in that moment, only by being able to recount everything that you've done and everything that you haven't done, will you be able to get a glimpse of the fullness of God's mercy and grace that he has demonstrated for you and is available to you. And then you've got these things that have been done to you circumstantially, situationally, and you've got this memory of that. And how in the world can that possibly make heaven heaven if you're holding on to these things that have been done to you? Well, now all of a sudden you're in the presence of God and you've got God's perspective. God has seen everything that's ever happened, not just in your life, but in all of our lives and, and the entire population that has ever existed on the planet. He's seen all of the travesties and everything that has been done and everything that hasn't been done that is outside of alignment with his will. And yet heaven's still heaven. The angels have observed everything since the beginning of creation and yet heaven is still heaven for them. So how can it be heaven for you? And that is because you will have God's perspective. You will have a heavenly vantage point at that point to see how even though it felt in the moment and you wondered in the moment and you're still trying to figure out how this is working for the good, that all things do work for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. It's a different vantage point. It's a different viewpoint. It's the viewpoint of the father. Um, Carly, my 10-year-old daughter, um, she's been struggling in life to find her thing. I don't know if like that's an every kid thing, you know, and the other kids seem to like find their things early. Um, Carly decided that she wanted to try track, track. And I, I don't know if, if that's her thing. Maybe it'll be her thing. Um, I was really fast in high school. My junior year in, in high school, I won the 400 meters in Gwinnett County. That means I was fast at running one lap around a football field. I won county. Also, um, my 
my, uh, in my senior year, um, Liz decided she was going to do an extracurricular activity. I didn't know Liz. That's, that's my wife, for those of you that don't know. Um, I didn't know her before track. I was track captain, and this cute girl was out there running, and I was like, hey, I'll just watch her run, you know? Anyway, um, and uh, romance was born, you know? Um, and she wasn't the fastest, but she was like the cutest. She's a ballerina. She danced professionally for ballet, and she wanted to do high hurdles. And so she wasn't the fastest at her hurdles, but she was really the cutest at it. I mean, everything looked like a ballet move. It was like, you know, like she'd go over a hurdle and it'd be like, ah, you know. You know, so I mean, like it was awesome. Um, so we were kind of wondering, like, is this Carly's thing? Is she going to be fast or is she going to be cute? And here's what I would say. After her first three track meets, she's not the fastest, but she is the cutest, all right? She's not the fastest, but she is the cutest. In fact, her first track meet, we're at Clark Central High School, and we're sitting in the stands, and I'm at the, um, almost the very top of the stands watching Carly run, and she ran the 100, she ran the 200, she ran the 400, and the way they do the order, the 200 is the second to the last event beside the relays, and so she gets done with the 200, and she came in dead last, and she walks up all the way up to the top of the bleachers, and she's like, I'm terrible. And I was like, no, you're not. And I'm going through like, you know, what do I say to my daughter? But I said to my daughter a lot of things because I had a different perspective than she had. Number one, she's a 10-year-old. She's running against 12-year-olds because of the way the birthdays break down and the age range goes. She's a 10-year-old in a 12-under division. Not only that, but she's tiny. And some of those girls she was running against, they were giants. In fact, when she was starting off for the 200, she was lined up and there were other people in their starting blocks that looked like Jackie Joyner Kersey's twins. I mean, they were like, they were like legit. And um, she came in last in her heat, but she didn't come in last in her age division for that event. She didn't know that. But she also didn't know that she had improved her time by about seven seconds from practice to that first meet. And so I go, Carly, hey, you're the cutest. You're the tiniest. You're the youngest, you didn't come in last, and you were better than before. Now, I don't know that it changed her perspective, but at least she had a different perspective. And it was the perspective of her father from a different vantage point. And when you get to heaven, hey, yeah, you're gonna have the same mind, the same memories, but a new mind, an improved mind, and a heavenly mind that has a perspective now that is of the heavenly father. So all of his love that he has for you, despite all of the things that you've done and all the things that you haven't done and all the things that have been done to you, you now have that in view of eternity, not in earth. And that's what may, will make heaven heaven. And then finally, you will have the same body, but a new body. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And you'll have the same body in heaven, but you'll have a new body in heaven. And this is something that as earthlings, we are in search of all the time. In fact, this year alone, about 45 million people will start a new diet. Um, about the same number of people will join a gym. And then about the same number of people will stop their diet and stop exercising at a gym. They'll drop out. We're in constant search of new and transformed bodies in our culture. And the only guarantee that we have is through Jesus. The Bible promises that in heaven we will have the same body, but it will be a new body. The Bible promises this in the Old Testament. There's a guy named Job. If you don't know about the story of Job, just go to your table of contents, look for the word Job, go to that, read his life. He's very aware of his own mortality. In fact, he says at one point, he, he says that his flesh is going to decay, but one day he will be able to see God face to face in his flesh 
and with his own eyes, meaning that when he is buried, his body is going to decay, it's going to break down, but there will be a time when he's given a new body and he will be able to stand before God in this new body. Jesus shows up to his disciples in some form of a resurrected body. In fact, he has to get this guy named Thomas to come and actually put his fingers in the indentations where the nails were driven into his hands and where the spear was placed into his side because something's different about Jesus when it comes to his body. He alludes to the fact that there will be this thing called a glorified body, so he couldn't do certain things in this resurrection, but that he would be able to do in the glorified body that he's going to receive. Paul talks about that in the New Testament. In fact, the chapter that we read last week, 2 Corinthians 15, where we have proof of the resurrection of Jesus and the promise that we'll participate in the resurrection of Jesus, talks about how one day our perishable bodies will have to put on imperishable bodies. Our mortal bodies will have to put on immortal bodies where we will be made new in the flesh and, and that we will receive a glorified body as well. One of the best experts on heaven, a theologian and an author, his name's Martin Lloyd-Jones, he writes this, men and women are meant to live in a glorified body in a glorified world and God will be with them. And that glorified body that you're meant to live in, in a glorified world that you're meant to live in, with the glory of glory, which is God living with you, is a body where there is no more decay, where there is no more disease, where there is no more sickness, where there is no more soreness, for those of you that are over 40, you appreciate that? You, listen, in the glorified body, you're never past your prime or never past your peak. One of the other fathers of, of a, a track uh, kids that and actually goes to our church, he was state runner up his senior year in the discus, and his kids are learning all the field events. And so they were practicing discus last week on their own. And he decided he'd give it the old uh, high school try. Throws that. And his senior year, he threw it 174 feet. It's good for second place in the state. What he threw this past week was 104 feet. Not good for anything. <laughs> he was like, David, I'm past my prime. I said, you need to come tomorrow. <laughs> in the glorified body, you'll never be past your prime. You'll never be past your peak. What happens to us in the flesh because of sin will no longer happen because sin will be removed. It gives us hope that what we're limited to in our physical world now, it will be unlimited in the next world. That gives hope to a woman named Joni Erickson Tata. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's 68 years old. She became famous as an artist, but then became a Christian author and then also a speaker. When she was 17, she was involved in a diving accident and she's been confined to a wheelchair ever since. Anytime she speaks about the gospel and the promise of heaven, she talks about being able to walk, being able to run, being able to play in the same way that she was before she was confined to that wheelchair. That's the hope that we have. But what's really interesting is that because of this promise of eternity, she has a different perspective here on earth because of the wheelchair. And she said that if she is allowed to take anything to heaven, she wants to take her wheelchair and she wants to stand next to Jesus. She wants to point to the wheelchair and say this, Jesus, do you see that wheelchair? You were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble because the thing was a lot of trouble. But the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. It never would have happened had you not given me the bruising of the blessing from that wheelchair. 
When we talk about heaven and the promise that we have to participate in it because of Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life, where our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, where we have the same identity, the same mind, the same body, but a new version of each of those, that is an awesome source of hope for one day. But in the meantime, Jesus says, you're going to face troubles. And in the meantime, the world's going to try to convince you that your identity is something other than a son or a daughter of God. The world's going to do things to you, and you're going to do things in this world that you have a hard time getting over and getting out of your head that you can't forgive yourself of and you can't forgive others of. And you will see over time, whether it's in your own body or somebody else's body, it break down because of disease, sickness, and suffering. And what we need now because of the promise then is to lean into the promises of Jesus and invite Jesus to lean into us through the presence of his Holy Spirit so that when we're weak in our identity, mind, or body, he can be strong. And that we can experience a glimpse of what we will know fully then in heaven. Father's heart, the mystery he lavishes on us, as deep cries out too deep, oh how desperately he wants us.
Broken hearted like my way Till my time on earth